We are talking about the best seller of all time. And I am not talking about the Ford F-150, although it is. <laughs> we are talking about the best seller, New York Times bestseller book of all time, The Word of God. And we have several friends here with us that we're going to be talking about the scriptures today. Um, my name is Chris Peltz, an evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. And joining us today are a few evangelists from around the area and over across the country as well on the east side of the Mississippi. But first of all, most of you are familiar with Richard Dodson up in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, good to have you on the program. Hey, it's great to be here. Absolutely. Also joining us from Lake of the Ozarks is Craig Benny. Craig, with the church up there, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Awesome. Josh Thornhill over in Johnson City, Tennessee, on the other side of the Mississippi. Josh, good to have you on the program. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. And Matt Hodge, again, kind of a little bit of a local boy for from my viewpoint anyway, but uh, uh, actually from Tennessee, but living in Marshfield, Missouri, with the Brentwood Church of Christ. Matt, good to have you on the program. It's great to be here. So we'll, we'll get a little info about the churches you guys work with as we go through the program a little bit. Um, but first of all, we're going to be talking about the Word of God itself. Now, this is a, as we said earlier, this is the best-selling book of all time. I mean, this this goes back, you know, obviously centuries, right? I mean, uh, but this book is is really amazing in and of itself. Here is a book that is, uh, you know, took over 1,600 years as far as being written by 40 different writers. It consists of 66 books itself uh, divided into the the Old Testament and the New Testament, or Old Covenant and New Covenant. And so uh, there are lots of things about this book that can be rather intimidating for folks. You know, when you look at the Word of God, a lot of folks think, oh, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover, and they go to do it, and yet it is uh, they, they'll get into a few books, and it seems really daunting, an overwhelming task, and they seem to give up rather quickly without building some, uh, some framework, some, uh, you know, just kind of like building a puzzle, putting the frame in place and then filling in all the pieces in the middle. And so hopefully we're going to help folks do that a little bit, but we're going to start by answering some very simple questions about the Word of God and, um, and hopefully these will be some questions that will help everyone as we go through this. So um, we, we have a text from Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 through 14. And uh, and Richard, you've got the first question anyway, but uh, before you read that real quick, you're up in Kearney, Missouri. Uh, why don't you tell us the website um, or whatever link you want to give as far as the church is concerned up there and, and how folks can uh, check out what you're doing in Kearney. Uh, Kearneychurch.com. That's all you got to do. Go to carneychurch.com, and uh, you can look around the website there, or you can go to our Facebook page, which there's a link to. It's just a big button with a Facebook logo. Click on that, and you'll go right to our Facebook page, and you can, uh, well, you can get a copy of this show uh, and some of the other things that we do. That's right. You go live every Thursday and Sunday, and so a lot of studies tonight. there. Yeah, we'll be tonight at yep. uh, 6 o'clock. Absolutely. Seven. I'm sorry. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Well, you know, um, you know, mountain time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We got to allow for those. 
Okay. Well, real quick, let's go ahead and get to the to the reading Psalm 19 verses 7 through 14. Richard, go ahead. Okay. The law of the Lord is perfect. I'm reading from the King James, by the way. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his ears? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant from also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the mediation of my heart be acceptable in the sight of the Lord, my strength and my redeemer. All right. So so that's that's the text that we're looking at, which you know very well puts the the idea and a lot of the questions we're going to be answering. Uh, concerning the Word of God itself and, and, and the viewpoint that we should have, how sweet the Word of God truly is. And, you know, the prophet Jeremiah, I'm reminded of uh, as far as the, the you know, the, the Word of God being sweet to the taste, but then, you know, uh, difficult to handle sometimes in the stomach because of, uh, of what we've got to do with it, the responsibility we have to do with it. But the Word of God and the promises He makes are so sweet and, and so so we're going to help folks, hopefully, uh, at least attempt to get a better understanding and approach to the Word of God. And so, Richard, you've got a question. We'll we'll have a little back and forth with the with the guys uh, on the questions as well, and we'll kind of go in order as far as um, Richard, Craig, Josh, and Matt, and myself. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, very quickly, though, um, Craig, what what is some information up there as far as the uh, Lake of the Ozarks is concerned? Uh, as far as folks checking out the church where you're at? Best place to find us is uh, on Facebook. You just look up Lake of the Ozarks Church of Christ. They're on Facebook. We also have a webpage. It's ozarkschurch.org. Uh, most of what we're doing is uh, just right there on Facebook, though. We go live. Uh, currently, we're going live Sunday mornings around 1050 uh, for our sermon. Okay. Awesome. All right. So I hope folks will check out the uh, the Facebook link there and look it up ozarks uh, lake of the ozarks church of christ uh so that'll be that'll be great so let's go ahead and get into the first question and richard that's for you all right um question is uh these up why were the scriptures written and uh you know in our book that we're going through there's uh, five verses given, but there's one verse I wanted to, well, I'll just end with the last one, but in John 20, verses 30 and 31, it says, these are written, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And then in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, I'm going to read this passage. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished amongst us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, 
have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time to past, uh, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So that's why he wrote, uh, was so that they would have certainty. In Romans 15 and verse 4, it says that it was written for our instruction. And uh, so that we, through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, might have hope. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, when it was recounting in that passage some of the things that happened to, to people in the Old Testament, uh, it, it makes reference to why those things were preserved for us. It says they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And then in John chapter 5 and verse 13, uh, he said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. So all these are reasons, but I think the best one, and it's it's actually one of my future questions, but in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 17, of course, you know, in, in 16, uh, it tells us what the scriptures are profitable for. But what is it profitable? What, what was the whole sum of that, you know, for the, what the scriptures are good for? It tells us in 17 that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we need to be convinced, you know, we need to be convicted. Uh, we need to be uh, motivated. And that comes with having hope. And uh, uh, we need, you know, to have instruction. And so, you know, all these are reasons that the scriptures give us uh, for why they have been preserved in, in writing. That's very good. And and I'm, we'll kind of go around the room here, guys, for a little bit um, on this particular question, because maybe there's something, a passage that either Richard didn't bring up that really stands out to you, and that, that's kind of what I'd like to know. Uh, is there anything that stands out to you guys particularly as far as, you know, what has been revealed, why the Scriptures are written? Matt, is there? do you have a particular text, or is there some other thoughts that you'd like to add to this particular question? I really like the verse that says that he did not leave, that Jesus told his disciples, I will not leave you orphans, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to reveal all things. And then, of course, that's going to be written down in the scriptures by the prophets and and holy apostles. And so uh, the idea that that we would totally be lost kind of in a, in a spiritual sense, but also not really knowing who we are, where we came from, what life is all about without the scriptures, pretty big in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. John 14, he makes that promise. John 16, verses 12 uh, through 15, he makes that promise. Uh, sending the comforter. So, yeah, absolutely. Very good. Josh, how about you? Um, yeah, I have a thought. Um, we're currently, where I'm preaching at, we're currently studying through First Corinthians. And last night we concluded the second chapter. And I find it rather interesting, of course, up to that point, obviously Paul is addressing the, um, or contrasting the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. But about verse 9, he begins to talk about revelation, about the the revelation of God. And he, he mentions a couple of things here. For example, the uh, eye has not seen nor ear heard, the nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
Um, and then it says in verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Um, and then about verse 12, he says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might fr- know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Then verse 13, these things we also speak. Uh, so I think that the importance of the scriptures also is the fact that that's how we know the mind of God. Uh, had God not revealed them to us through his word, then we would have no way of understanding his will. We would have we'd have no way of knowing him. You know, I, I think uh, you could look at just the cross itself. You see Jesus dying on the cross from, uh, I guess, a merely human standpoint. If we're watching that event unfold, it might not have any significance to us. But when we have the revelation of God that reveals what was accomplished there, then it brings a, a upon us a whole new significance, a greater significance uh, for what was taking place there. So I I think an important part of the scriptures is the fact that it is God speaking to us and showing his will to us and and telling us how he he wants to live and what he has done for us and and giving us that hope uh, of eternal life. It's interesting, back in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, towards the end of that chapter, he talks about how it was a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles which really goes to that point, as you stand afar off, kind of looking at that event without the Scriptures, that's what it would be, is foolishness or a stumbling block. And uh, so the Word of God reveals those things to us. Craig, how about you? What do you got? I'm reminded of uh, John chapter 6, when many of the disciples or many of the followers of Christ are starting to leave. And Jesus turns to his apostles and says, do you want to leave me also? Peter's response was, where will we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Uh, so that uh, we look at Hebrews chapter one, we know that uh, God has chosen to speak to us through his son, uh, Jesus Christ. And Jesus has the words of eternal life. Uh, without, the, without those words, what do we have? Uh, so why go anywhere else? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Paul said in Ephesians three, three through five, that he has written these things that we can have this very same understanding that he has uh, and and I think that's, you know, I mean, how, how wonderful is that, right? I mean, here's the inspired Apostle Paul, who has, uh, has written the majority of the New Testament anyway, and yet he's telling us these things are written, that we can, we can have the same understanding he has. And, and 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 uh, tells us, these things are written that you might not sin. I mean, that direction that he gives us in how we live, how we can... Uh, be live a, a righteous life and have hope of eternal life. All of those things, all of what we've revealed, and really all of these things that we've mentioned, we've gone around, you know, with several passages here, and we've just barely, you know, scratched the surface. You know, uh, this is j- just how replete the scriptures really are, talking about its purpose and why it is written. But um, it's interesting as we go around there and just, you know, kind of hear how these things are. Uh, you know, how each one of us has a little bit different, um, you know, passage that really stands out to us. So I think that's that's awesome. So, Richard, any last thoughts on uh, on that particular question before we go on to the next one? Well, I was thinking when we were talking about the Lord uh, choosing the written form to communicate his will to man, you know, he could have chose a different path. He did in Hebrews. I mean, Hebrews right there at the beginning of the book tells us in times past his will was revealed to the fathers, you know, and uh, he spoke to them directly. So now it's, it's in written form and the Lord could have chosen any way he wanted 
to reveal his will to man. This is what he chose. And so that's what we go with. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to the next question. Craig, you've got number two. All right. So the question number two is what claims do the scriptures make as to their uh, inspiration? Uh, there's several verses we can look at here. Uh, Peter could start us off. He says in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 20, beginning, he says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is given by private uh, interpretation, but uh, for prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter is indicating here that uh, Scriptures, the, the, the things that are written, were never given by the will of man. Uh, man never uh, called out upon himself and took it upon himself to write these things. Uh, it says that uh, it was given by no private interpretation, uh, or another way of saying that might be no personal explanation. These uh, these words were not given. These aren't the mind. This isn't the mind of God. We just um, Josh brought up First Corinthians. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter two also tells us that uh, that the. The scriptures are the, the, the writings of God are uh, the mind of God. They come from God's mind, not not the mind of men. Uh, and it says that they were moved. Uh, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Of course, we that idea of being moved by the Holy Spirit is carried about or taken by the hand um, and, and moved and directed. Uh, King David said something interesting on his deathbed in Second Samuel uh, chapter 23 and verse 2. He says, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me. And his word was on my tongue. Uh, so David is indicating here that it wasn't his own words. It wasn't what he said, uh, that what he thought that he was saying. It was uh, the mind of God. It was the will of God. And Paul takes that a little further when he talks to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. As uh, so Richard indicated earlier, uh, this verse, all scriptures are given by inspiration of God, the beginning of that. Uh, and the ESV reads, uh, all scriptures are breathed out by God. And that's that's uh, more accurate to the original Greek. Uh, so Paul is saying that the scriptures are the very breath of God. And he's talking, uh, of course, here he, he's uh, speaking to Timothy of the scriptures that he, heard, that he learned from his youth. And that's the same scriptures that Peter's talking about. Uh, the Bible is very clear when it indicates that... Uh, that the, the the word of God is just that it is the actual breath of God it is the very uh, the very thoughts the very mind of God uh, and when we talk about uh, inspiration you know we kind of we kind of have destroyed that word in our modern English language uh, we we can talk about anything being an inspiration to us or inspire inspiring to us uh, but when the Bible talks about this in Second Peter chapter one what it's talking about is uh, is being, or in, uh, in 2 Timothy 3, rather, what he's talking about is the uh, word of God being breathed out by God. The scriptures are actually breathed by him. Yeah, sometimes we'll say that the word of God is, is or, you know, a certain book is written by, and really it's it's penned by certain people, rather, whether it's John, Peter, um, Paul, but uh, but certainly it is it is from God. Josh, any thoughts? <clears throat> I appreciate what Craig was saying. I, I don't have anything really to, to add to that. So, Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that it's, in, it's you know, it says he's inspired by all means. Matthew, Matt, what do you think? Yep, just kind of a ditto from me as well. And uh, I guess interesting that God has uh, 
not really left it up to the interpretation of the prophet to write it down, but he breathed it out. Uh, I think it's Jeremiah says, talks about how he gave me these words and that's, that's what God gave. So it's, we don't have to wonder, well, did the prophet kind of mix it up when he wrote it down? Nope. That's what God had for us. Richard. Well, no, I'm, you know, that's the same thing that, uh, happened with John on the Isle of Patmos when he, uh, had that vision, you know, he was not to add to or take away from. And, uh, of course that goes back to Ezekiel as being a watchman, you know, the, the, you cannot uh, uh, take away from what the Lord has revealed to these people to impart to mankind what God's will is. And, right. and if you do that, their blood is on your hand. So, uh, and these people, you know, it's it's amazing to me when I'm reading the scriptures is is how we have so many different writers. This isn't like the Book of Mormon where one man wrote, everything and claim to do that by inspiration. These are a bunch of people and they write these at different time times. And you know, the message, I mean, <laughs> they, they all correspond with each other that in and of itself proves the inspiration. Yeah. I mean, you go back again, it, this was a book written by 40 men over 1600 years and and there is no contradictions. They, they all speak the same thing. They're all in harmony one with another. Peter talking about Paul's writing in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, you know, all of the, uh, you know, Paul, or yeah, Paul in First Corinthians 7, you know, talking about, you know, the from what Christ delivered when he was on earth and then what he's delivering now by inspiration. Um, and then, you know, as you look, back and through the scriptures and what has been revealed, the time that it took, uh, and the harmony that is there in the scriptures. And and one other thing about inspiration that I, I find extremely interesting, you know, in and this is more uh, probably, you know, secular type um, logic or thinking, but I think it makes a great point. When you look at the scriptures and everything that has been revealed in the Word of God, when you go back to the days of Egypt with Moses and Egyptian bondage, you know, historically we know a lot of things that they did medically. Uh, for example, the uh, eating of dung, you know, was a medical practice that Egyptians engaged in. And yet, when you look at the Word of God, there are certain things that certainly were engaged in when it came to abstaining from blood, when it came to uh, the idea of circumcision and uh, why they waited eight days, because it takes eight days before uh, an infant's uh, blood will uh, begin to uh, uh, clot. And so, so all of the things that God revealed and things that he, he talked about, and whether it was those that was unclean or certain things that he did um, and revealed to us medically, none of which he revealed was something that was harmful. Even though they were practicing certain things during the times that these books were being written, what God revealed to us are all things that were good and helpful and have been proven to be so. Uh, he never told us something that they go back and look and say, well, yeah, you probably shouldn't have been doing that. Uh, and I just find that interesting when we talk about the inspiration of the Scriptures, especially over the period of time that it was revealed. And, and um, that, uh, to me, has been a powerful point in looking at You know, at Chris, another thing on that, 
Moses was trained up. Even the scripture tells us he, he knew all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Right. And yet he didn't bring those medical practices over into the Bible. Exactly. So obviously what was his source then? Not not Egyptian wisdom, but rather God's wisdom. Yep. That, that exactly. That that's the point. Very good. Josh, you're over there in Johnson City, Tennessee. A lot of folks probably heard that place on some songs, I'm sure. Uh, what church are you with, and how can they find out more information if they're over in that area? Well, I'm currently with the, the Brookmead Church of Christ over here in Johnson City. Um, our We do have a website. It's brookmeadcfc.com, but it's currently kind of down in, in construction and a lot of issues need to be resolved with that. Uh, but you can find us on Facebook at Brookmead Church of Christ on Facebook. And we also actually have a YouTube page due to this whole quarantine that we've been doing. We've got some lessons up there on on YouTube. So if you're wanting to, to check out some of that, that's where you can find us. And when you, you say Brookmead? Yes. Spell it for me. B-R-O-O-K-M-E-A-D. All right. Just making sure you know how to spell it. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to check the sign outside. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right. So, so I, you know, folks, I've known Richard um, for tw- uh, 24 years, probably. Uh, I've known Josh for 16. Well, at least 12. Uh, I've no- I've known Josh a long time as well. Uh, Matt and Craig, I've known uh, not quite as long, but I've known them quite a few years. Uh, but Josh uh, and I go back quite a bit. We worked together in Tennessee for, for a while. Um, uh, but uh, glad all you guys can be on the program today. And hope folks will take the time to check out all the works that you guys are doing on the, the Facebook websites and all that information. We'll try to remember to get that in the, the, the later. We'll try to add that to the description um, also check out Southside Church of Christ on Facebook at facebook.com slash Southside Sower or go to our website at southsidesower.com uh, and that's S-O-W-E-R and so we can uh, uh, try to get some of that information uh, there also. Josh, let's go ahead and go on to the our third question and you have that. <clears throat> All right, so the, the third question here is dealing with uh, Jesus uh, and his endorsement of the Old Testament scriptures. So the question asks us to show that Jesus endorsed the Old Testament scriptures as being uh, divine. Uh, a few verses we could look at in, in Luke chapter 24 and in verse 27, uh, it says that beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So uh, Obviously, the Old Testament was intended to point us to Jesus, and Jesus, on many occasions, he opened the scriptures, and he pointed out that he was the fulfillment of those scriptures. Uh, a few verses later, in chapter, uh, verses 44 and 45, uh, Jesus said, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So that's just another case where Jesus was pointing back to the Old Testament scriptures to show that they uh, they spoke of him and that they spoke of his coming and the work that he would accomplish. Uh, a couple of other verses that I think are interesting um, along these lines. Uh, Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus was asked the question, as he ob- often was, um, and 
this is a question we see recorded several times. What is the greatest commandment or the first commandment of all is what was specifically asked here in verse 28. Uh, but Jesus answers in verse 29, the first of all, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And what I find interesting about this is Jesus, the, the question that Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Well, where does he go? He goes straight back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so he's using the Old Testament scriptures to show that they are the word of God and that they are God's law that these people needed to be following at that time. And I think another occasion that we could look at is Matthew chapter 19 with the parable of the, not the parable, but the, as he's talking to the, the rich young ruler, uh, you have this young man coming to Jesus asking what he shall, what he needs to do to have eternal life. And Jesus says, keep the commandments and he says, which ones? And so he lists some, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so, again, he's going back to the old law and saying, if you want eternal life, this is how you need to live. This is what you need to do, because these are the words of God. God has revealed his will to these people to tell them what it is that they need to do in order to please God. And so just like we might do with the New Testament today, where we might open up the New Testament and see, well, this says I need to do this, and this says I need to, to refrain from doing that, then that, that, that's what Jesus was doing with the Old Testament. He was using them uh, to teach people how to please God and, and also how uh, they spoke of him and how they pointed uh, to the work that he would accomplish on the cross. Really great points when you look at going back to the Old Testament, even bringing that in to to make some points. I'll have more to say about that personally here in in a few minutes. Before we do that, though, Matt, let's go ahead and uh, see what any thoughts you have on this. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Craig? I look back at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He didn't want to come in uh, and discredit the law. He didn't want to come and destroy the law or the, the traditions that the Jews were doing uh, well, based in the law. Uh, he, he came to fulfill the law, uh, not to put, not to uh, discredit it. So he, uh, he obviously, if he came to fulfill the law, uh, considered the law and the prophets to be a sacred thing. Absolutely. Richard? Well, I was thinking about... Uh, <clears throat> Well, Jesus, is it Matthew 5, 18, when he said one, not one jot or tittle shall pass? Uh -huh. Yeah, and that's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, everything, there's a lot of passages we can go to <laughs> where right. he talked about the fulfillment. Uh, everything that he was trying to do was in fulfillment of what has been written. And so, you know, uh, to, to not uh, believe in the... the uh, Old Testament scriptures being divine is really not believing in Jesus because those were there. Those scriptures were preserved to show who Jesus was. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why they have been preserved is to show us that Jesus really is the son of God because he did fulfill those passages. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm going to take this a step further, all right? Because obviously we we believe that the Old Testament was inspired, that it, it was given for our purpose. It was written for our understanding, as both Romans and 1 Corinthians point out uh, very clearly uh, in what you guys have already said from uh, from the words of Christ himself. But uh, very quick, let me ask each of you uh, just a very simple question. Richard, you've already pointed out you're using the King James right now. Craig, what oh, version? Oh, go ahead, Richard. I, I just I got I could have popped up any of them. Okay, but yeah, you read from the King James earlier. Uh, yes. Craig, what translation do you usually read from? New King James. New King James. Josh, how about you? Same, New King James. New King. Matt? Same for me, but I regularly check, you know, the ESV, the King James, and the number of them. So. All right, and I and I mainly use the uh, ESV, English Standard Version. So we've got different translations that are here. And one thing I wanted to point out, when you look at what Jesus often quoted— because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in mainly in, in Koine Greek, common Greek, uh, but the Old Testament was also translated into Greek, which we know as the Septuagint, and Jesus quoted from the Septuagint as well. And and the point there, not that the Septuagint was inspired as far as you know translated by inspired people, but the point being is that translations, I think, he also authorizes just by the mere fact that he uses a translation, uh, the, the Septuagint, the Greek of the Hebrew uh, uh, text. And, and so here we are using translations from the Greek uh, in, in English, whether it's Old English or more modern English, uh, but it is a translation from manuscripts. Um, and uh, and and I I think that's interesting too that uh, Jesus kind of gives some some credibility to using translations as well so that we can understand uh, even when Peter spoke in Acts two and uh, and the other apostles were able to speak in various languages so that people could understand them and know that they were in fact uh, from God so uh, so I just wanted to point that out as well so. Um, Matt, how can folks check out what's going on at the Brentwood Church of Christ in Marshfield? The best way to get a hold of us is through Facebook. And so you can look up facebook.com slash Brentwood Church of Christ Marshfield Mo, or just search it. And uh, that'll bring a lot of videos up that we've been putting out regularly. Click on that link. It'll take you to YouTube. Yeah, so also keep you up to date on hours and so on, stuff like that. So. Yeah, so look up the Brentwood Church of Christ in Marshfield, Missouri. Make sure you put in there Marshfield, Missouri. There are a few Brentwood uh, yes, churches there are. of Christ. So, uh, just like with Richard up in Kearney, uh, if you want to make sure it's Kearney, Missouri, and not Kearney, Nebraska. Lake of the Ozarks, I think we're the only state uh, that has that. So I think we're good there for, <laughs> for Craig uh, and, of course, Brooke Mead uh, for Josh. But let's go ahead and get to our, uh, our last question, I think, for today. Matt, you've got uh, number four there. Okay. Give some scriptural names that are applied to the inspired writings. We can start with Romans chapter 3 and verse 2. And he says in that verse, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. So <clears throat> oracle has had several meanings, but basically the idea is an utterance from a divine deity. And so the way it's used here in this passage obviously means this came from the very mouth of God. So oracles of God is one description. If you look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, he calls it scripture. God says there, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And uh, just as a side note, it is profitable for 
uh, doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Well, it's quite a range of different jobs that this scripture is good for. Uh, it goes on to say that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So there's really nothing that the scripture can't do in our spiritual lives as far as knowing what God wants. It is, after all, by his inspiration. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul tells the young evangelist, Timothy, preach the word. So just simply refers to it as the word, um, which I like a lot. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Peter's talking about Paul, and he says, Our beloved brother Paul. Says, I love that guy. That uh, Paul is my brother in Christ, and I love him. But he has said some things that are difficult to understand. And untaught and unstable men twist these to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. And so there, uh, the Bible, the, the Word of God is called Scripture. Pretty authoritative. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely it is. Craig, any thoughts? I think he covered it. All right. Josh? Um, I appreciate uh, what uh, Matt has already said about it, but um, I think when we look at the way that Scripture describes itself and the words that, that have been used like Scripture and, and the oracles of God and, and things such as that, it, it shows the value of it, I think. You know, as we already read in, in Psalm 19 as we began the study this morning, uh, the Word of God is something that is very precious. Um, it's more precious than gold, sweeter also than the honeycomb. And so uh, I think as we look at passages like that, it helps to impress upon us that this is not just another book. This is not just, you know, the some idea that some guy thought up some thousands of years ago, but this is the Word of Almighty God, and it holds tremendous value, and it needs to hold that weight within our hearts and within our minds. Absolutely. Great point. Richard? No, I think you made a good point. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all I got. And I, I think of Psalm 119 and other passages, a light in, to my path, a lamp to my feet. Um, and also, I think in the New Testament, Jude verse 3, where he tells us to contend earnestly for the faith that has been once delivered. The Word of God is referred to as the faith. A passage I think most would not think of is Galatians 3.26, uh, because the uh, definite article the is removed in practically every translation where it says um, that, uh, you know, that we are children of God through the faith. If you look at the Greek, the definite article the is there. So we are children of God through the faith. Uh, and, and I think the Word of God is referred to as that for a reason. As Paul pointed out in Ephesians chapter 4, with the seven ones in verses 4 through 6, one of them is faith. There is one faith. And so the Word of God, of course, faith comes by hearing the Word um, that has been delivered. Gospel, doctrine, I mean, there's lots of things we could get into. Uh, I think that, it's, uh, that, is, uh, that it is referred to, teaching, um, so... All right, guys, appreciate you being on so much. Uh, we've gotten, we've, we've, uh, with just a few questions, I think we've put out a lot of excellent information for folks to look at, to study, uh, and consider for themselves as we kind of build upon uh, this. 
this idea of why we use the scriptures, why we stress book, chapter, and verse for everything, not adding to or taking away. The Word of God is complete and thoroughly equipped. It equips us for every good work. Guys, thanks for being on. Craig, I appreciate it. It's good being here. Matt, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Josh, as always, good to have you on as well. Thanks for having me as well. Absolutely. Richard, any last thoughts you ha- might have? No, I'm just uh, appreciative of the Bible study. Absolutely. All right, I'll leave you with Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Until next week, guys, appreciate it, and look forward to another study. See Thank you, you for watching Sowers with Swords. A work of Southside Church of Christ, which meets at 1517 East Cherokee Street in Springfield, Missouri. Visit our website for more information, southsidesower.com, or email us at southsidesower at gmail.com.